Wrestling Perspective Network is brought to you by BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code WPP. Just pay $5 shipping. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, good brothers, good sisters, welcome back to another great episode of The Revisionist Booking, heard right here on the Wrestling Perspective Network. What shenanigans can Michael Barry and RG get into? Make sure you tune in this week. And as always, let the Revisionist Revolution begin. Well, you know, the Golden Voice is here. I'm ready to go. We have a great pay-per-view to uh, revisit and revise uh, today, and I am very excited. But I know everybody else's ear holes are very excited because the Golden Voice is here. And as always, you're welcome. Without a shatter of a doubt, I wait every week. To hear those words coming out of your mouth and into my ear holes. You're welcome. Exactly. You know, I've been looking forward to this show all week. Uh, It was a very long week at work for me. I'm sure for you as well. But 96 Bash at the Beach. This was was the first pay-per-view that I actually enjoyed going back and actually watching. Uh, you know, we saw, you know, the likes of Rey Mysterio, we saw the likes of DDP, very young, uh, superstars at this time, and then I kind of had to force myself to watch a Disco Inferno, and, uh, uh, yeah, that was, it was kind of rough, I'll tell you that much, but, uh, but yeah, so what, uh, what did you, have you heard about last week's episode that we did on, um, on the Great American Bash. Any good words or uh, bad words or indifferent or what have you? No, I think, uh, you know, it was a, a fairly good episode. Um, some may have noticed that we've really been working hard on kind of some of the audio things that we have going on. So I think, you know, that's something that we did get some positive feedback on. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Great American Bash obviously was – the pay-per-view right before uh, Bash at the Beach 96, which we're reviewing today. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of anticipation building within WCW. So, 
Uh, I think there's a lot of anticipation building for us uh, at, here at Revisionist Booking. Of course, we are on the Wrestling Perspective Network now, so exciting times ahead, my good sir. You know, and like I said before, on our Twitter page, uh, at Revisionist Book, and on, on our personal pages, that, you know, we're putting our, our heads down and keeping our, you know, keeping it going, especially in the 2019 as this will be the last episode before, uh, actually it won't be the last episode, it'll be the first episode of uh, 2019, correct? Did you so. Did you already forget what year we're in, RJ? It's 2019. I, I forgot how, I, I forget my name sometimes, man. It's just, it's one of those things. <laughs> um, but yeah, this will be the first episode of 2019. I had to go back to the old uh, iTunes calendar on my phone, so... Uh, but no, yeah, I actually had my son, Gavin, watch his pay-per-view with me, and he actually enjoyed it, too, being a six-year-old. <laughs> yeah, though, actually, our uh, revisionist revolutionists will be listening to this. Uh, first opportunity will be New Year's Day. There you go. You know, what better way to bring in the new year than with, with uh, revisionist booking on the Wrestling Perspective Network, you know, and we're going, you know, I, I make it my point to make this the uh, go-to wrestling podcast of 2019, and, uh, you know, what better way to do it, big, than with the 1996 Bash at the Beach. Uh, you know, this comes to us three days after the Independence Day, July 7th, 1996, from Daytona Beach, Florida, the Ocean Center itself before 8,300 fans. Uh, this, like we mentioned, this was going to be the stepping off point of what would come to be the, uh, excuse me, the Monday Night Wars, the debut of the NWO, the turn of Hulk Hogan, or Hollywood Hogan as we would later be uh, know him as. Uh, this was a turning point in the wrestling business. You know, we saw a lot of those, uh, especially in the WWF, we saw a lot of those uh, characters, quote-unquote, you know, the T.L. Hoppers, the Doinks, the uh, 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 Friar Fergusons, um, Bastion Boogers, those types of gimmicks were out the window after this, you know, because they didn't care, they wanted to win, they didn't... They didn't care what cost. And um, at this time, I was, what was he? I was 12 years old at this time, and this was a great fan, to, a great time to be a wrestling fan. Starting about 96, 97, we saw a lot of the better matches in the business come around 97. But um, we'll get to that later on. But we saw a few dark matches. Uh, in this event, we saw Jim Powers defeat Hugh Morris in 4 minutes and 23 seconds in the lone dark match of this pay-per-view. Uh, we then saw the quote-unquote main event, which featured the WCW Tag Team Championship match. It baffles me that these tag team champions, especially these two teams, at this time, were on the pre-show, for better use of terms, which we saw the Steiner brothers defeat Harlem Heat by DQ in five minutes. Um, we'll get into it, obviously, with the rebooking, but why the heck are these two teams on the pre-show? 
Well, from my understanding, they were actually... So, this was an episode of uh, Main Event that was recorded ahead of the pay-per-view. Um, so, yeah, I mean, these weren't just your typical... This was basically... They were recording TV here um, for, um, you know, for a... Uh, and I can't recall if it was Saturday was night's sa- main event or... Um, Oh, it was just, so this was broadcast, okay, so this was broadcast, but it was broadcast uh, as, as main event, so I imagine that there was some kind of special TV deal where basically they were airing these matches, uh, we had what, four of them in total? Uh, yeah, but I, I, so, you know, but to circle back to what you had to say, RJ, I would tend to agree, I think, in, in us revising our cards here and you know this is kind of a uh, call it a cheat code but um you know we have additional talent here that we could put on the main stage i think at this point you know wcw was still trying to figure out what was working and what wasn't working uh with regards to you know who i mean obviously i'm not going to sit here and try to bs right so you have the steiner brothers and and the harlem heat should that have been on the pay-per-view as opposed to the nasty boys versus public enemy sure but you know it it kind of is what it is right uh so yeah I, i think that you know remember though we're here in 96 some of these names that you see on here i think everyone including those working at wcw um were just getting acclimated to exactly what their talent level was so i think that may be what you're kind of seeing here at this point right no no i I get that too but it's just for me anyways growing up at this time and obviously looking back at it now i you know i was a big fan of the uh, steiner brothers i was a big fan of harlem heat uh you know and you know, this match specifically went uh, should have been obviously on the card, but we'll get into that kind of a precursor to what we have coming uh, within the uh, the, the uh, rebooking portion of the show. Uh, but anyways, to move on, the second and last uh, taping of the main event featured Bobby Walker defeating Billy Kidman in two minutes. Uh, all I have to say about Billy Kidman is uh, Tori Wilson. That's all I'll have to say, and I'll move on from there. All the way live, sir. Actually, I lied. That wasn't the last event on the... uh, That's why I folded. I folded it over. I knew I was going to forget the rest of the uh, pre-show, but... Anyways, moving on. We had uh, a team that we talked about recently, Fire and Ice, which featured the tag team of Scotty Norton, Ice Train taking on the Rock and Roll Express. One of my favorite tag teams of all time, mind you. We saw the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson defeating Fire and Ice in 2 minutes and 8 seconds. We'll go along the same lines as the Steiner Brothers and Harlem Heat. We won't go any farther, as we, I'm sure we'll talk about it later on. Exactly. We we have our fans of dogs actually making an appearance here. You know, we are letting the dogs out. Anyways, moving on. Who let the have... dogs out? Exactly. You know what the heck's going on over there? We do you have a uh, a border 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 uh, business over there. No, it's uh my 
the golden voice has a king german shepherd and you know from time to time he has to let all of our neighbors know that he rules the roost they have dogs as well but their dog isn't as good as mine exactly you know who's more over than the revisionist bookie nobody moving on our last match of main event featured eddie guerrero taking on lord steven regal we saw eddie guerrero go over lord steven regal in three minutes and 38 seconds you know, we're not getting it too much. I honestly thought that this pre-card was a lot better than the majority of the card that we see on WWE pre-show today. Um, but it is what it is. You know, like I said, maybe it's a precursor to what we got going on with our card. Who knows? You guys just have to wait and see. Um, but, you know, at this time, like you mentioned, we're – WCW is trying to, you know, dip their toes in the pool and trying to see what would stick, what would work, what didn't work. And obviously, looking back at it now, knowing what happened in the future, we know what happened after that. So um, it's a definitely a a good thing to see these guys on the pre-card and actually seeing them succeed in what they're doing. Uh, those being uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero and uh, Billy Kidman as well. So um, to get to the main card, we started off with what I can say was probably one of the best matches of this event, which featured the uh, very young Rey Mysterio defeating Psychosis in 15 minutes and 18 seconds with a top rope Frankensteiner. Uh by Psychosis, which was turned into a hurt or a Frankensteiner by uh, uh, Rey Mysterio. Uh, this was a. I love this match. I don't know about you if you rewatched this, but this was an absolute phenomenal match. Yeah, no, uh, I definitely did uh, take a look at this match. Um, and, and, you know, this really speaks to the winning formula that WCW had uh, at this time, as you, as you said uh, earlier, you know. And that was more WWF, I would dare say. But you, you had less of the kind of the overly gimmicky characters, and you had more of the realistic um, wrestling, along with many different styles that were made available coming over from Mexico or Japan, um, you know, and overseas, um, and a lot of the lucha libre stuff. So this was a prime example of you know and. If I can speak to this real quick, uh, earlier this week on Twitter, I did indeed watch this back, and I did have to make note that, I mean, when you really look at the job that Tony Schiavone was able to do as the lead man here of the announce team, keep in mind, there's a struggle with three-man booths today, specifically WWE. Well, if you look at this, they didn't have a three-man booth, they had a four-man booth, okay? So, I mean, you really look at that and... and, and and understand, but even though it was four men, the announcing was so seamless. It was so good, and Tony Schiavone was really the driving force here of someone who was able to kind of you know keep the the ship steered. Uh, you had you know a lot of very big personalities. You had Dusty Rhodes. You had Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, you, you know you had Mike Tenay, and of course you had Tony Schiavone. So I think it really speaks volumes to. 
how great of an announcer Tony Schiavone truly is. And, uh, you know, shout out to Tony Schiavone, uh, does What Happened When with uh, Conrad Thompson. Great show. Check them out at WHW Monday. Um, but, you know, I, I really just, you know, really noticed that from the onset. And the announcing in, during this match was so great. Tanay was terrific. Uh, really just, you know, putting over, you know, how you know, Rey Mysterio was a big fan of the Steiners and some of his moveset was inspired by kind of the Steiners moveset. So just something I, I really took away from this match. Yeah, no, and like we've talked about before off air, we, you know, I was always a big fan of Tony Giovanni. You know, a lot growing up, a lot of the friends of mine were into, you know, to the Jim Rosses, Jerry Lawlers, but since day one, I've always been a fan of Tony Schiavone. He was a voice of my childhood. And just to listen to his podcast now with Conrad is an absolute delight to go back and revisit um, the pay-per-views that he's called, the Raws that he's called. Uh, you know, just to hear that voice again, it just it takes me back. If you forget about those everyday problems that you have and you kind of revisit those times when you were a kid, and that's... It, it, I, it doesn't go you know, into words what that means, but um, like I said before, what a way to start up this pay-per-view with these two, these two gentlemen, this match that they had. Um, but, you know, to move on, you know, we had our next two matches were stipulation matches, our epic matches, but... You know, why did we have all these gimmick matches? But we'll get into the first match, which was a Carson City silver dollar match between John Ketna, a.k.a. Earthquake, taking on Big Bubba Rogers, a.k.a. the Big Boss Man, in 9 minutes and 14 seconds. It baffles me. I don't know, obviously Vince Russo wasn't here at this time, but it looked like it was a matter of, hey, let's put something up on a pole and have him fight after it. Well, I, you know, it's funny you say that because that exact, you know, so that entered my mind, not maybe in, in the way you described it, but so, you know, Vince Russo gets a lot of slack for things on a pole match, right? Because that was mm -hmm. Vince Russo that created that. No, it wasn't. And that's the thing that I think people... You know, Vince Russo gets some criticism that perhaps is fair uh, and, you know, for, for obvious reasons. But there's also a lot of criticism that comes through that, you know, I would say is a little bit of a reach. We can't blame Vince Russo for this silver dollars on a pole match, right? And this was obviously way before, you know, Vince Russo's time in WCW and before we got on a pole matches. Um so keep in mind that the on a pole matches, anybody that has an issue with those, those were more of a WCW staple and not necessarily a Vince Russo staple. So I think, you know, that's something to be considered here. No, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it wasn't a dig at him as much as it was the WCW, but, um, you know, I, you, you and I both agree on the same point that, you know, we listen to both podcasts, you know, with Vince and with Matt Coon and what have you. And, you know, a lot of stuff's going on between Matt and, and, uh, and Bruce, but, uh, I, you love to see, you love to see wrestling in general. They both have great minds for the business of wrestling being Vince Russo and Bruce Pritchard. But, you know, how awesome was Jimmy Hart during this match? 
No, abs- absolutely. Uh, Jim- Jimmy Hart really was, yeah. I mean, he, you know, people really underestimate what managers meant to, especially back then. And, you know, Jimmy Hart was someone who could get over the uh, a lot of different things all kind of at one time. He was a manager's manager, um, for lack of a better term. Yeah, no, it, it, it made me pop so hard when I saw him climb off that pole to get that sack of coins. I'm like, I, he looked like a freaking tree frog climbing that thing. And then ever so gently, he'd be climbing, or he'd be, you know, uh, sliding down like a fireman going to a call. And it's just like he slides right down in the, in the arms of John Tentna. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to die. <laughs> Yeah, no, there was a lot of very good psychology in this match. Um, This was obviously before things on a pole match maybe were a little bit overdone, but it was uh, was entertaining nonetheless. Oh, definitely. Uh, So getting on to the next match was a taped fist match between Diamond Dallas Page and Jim Duggan. Uh, DDP going over in 5 minutes and 39 seconds. Also Um, a Lord of the Ring match. Correct, correct, because DDP had that as well. So again, um, we have multiple gimmicks going on here, and again, no Vince Russo in sight. Something to consider. Exactly, you know, and, and to for those of, uh, for those of our listeners that are Vince Russo haters, quote unquote, take a look at it. Step back, going with an open mind. Like every like I've said and you've said since day one with the current product, going with an open mind, who knows what's gonna happen. You know, you could be pleasantly surprised. But haters are gonna hate. To be the man you gotta beat the man. We'll get to that later on. But we saw DDP go over in this match. <sighs> You know, I for what it was worth, I thought it was a good match. Yeah, I, no, I think it was. Uh, yeah, it was a good match for sure. Um, you know, so we just said Jimmy Hart was a manager's manager. Or I should say, I said that. You look mm-hmm. at this, and DDP and Jim Duggan were both work a worker's worker. They were both, you know, two guys that could not only go, um, but could get a match over and could play a role and play their role. Uh, fairly well so this was a uh, you know a, a fairly good match here um no one's ever gonna uh you know um no one's ever gonna look at jim duggan and say his work rate is impeccable but at the same time no one's ever gonna look at jim duggan and say oh he had a really crappy match he was you know he was a guy who could go and uh, this was a a very well done match uh, on wcw's part yeah, that was one of the notes that I wrote down after watching this. Duggan was in such great shape for being in the business as long as he has been. Uh, and to hang with a guy like DDP, it was, you know, for, going with an open mind for a five-and-a-half-minute match, give or take, you know, it was what it was. You can't you can't discredit him, that's for sure. Um but to move on, we had another stipulation. We had a double dog collar match featuring the Nasty Boys and Public Enemy. Uh, we saw Public Enemy def- be defeated by the Nasty Boys in 11 minutes and 25 seconds. Um, 
this was the definition of what a dog collar match should be. Uh, you know, for me, whenever you think dog collar match, I think Roddy Piper and Junkyard Dog. Or, excuse me, not Junkyard Dog, uh, Greg Valentine, excuse me. And going back in the day when, you know, they literally beat the, you know what, out of each other. Uh, you know, between having a dog collar around their mat, their necks with the chains between the two of them. Um, this wasn't for the faint of heart. I can tell you that much. No, absolutely. This was uh, this was a uh, slobber knocker, as good old Jr. would say. Um, yeah, definitely a uh, a brawl. Yeah. So our our next match, to move on to, to our next match, was for the cruiserweight championship. This was anything but a slobber knocker. This was, and I'll give Disco Inferno. I hate doing it because I've never been a fan of Disco Inferno. Nothing against him personally, but. I never got his gimmick. I never got him as a wrestler. But for this match, I'll give him his due. This was a great match featuring Dean Malenko, your Cruiserweight champion, defeating Disco Inferno by submission in 12 minutes and 4 seconds via the uh, uh, single-leg Boston Crab. Um, or Texas Cloverleaf, whatever you want to look at it about. But... For what it was, this was a great match, another great match. You know, we didn't see a lot of these great matches on these pay-per-views at this time, but this was one of them. Yeah, no, uh, this was, I was actually, I, I will say this, I wasn't a fan of Disco Inferno, um, and still really, I'm not, as far as working again, very correct statement, nothing personal, just not my cup of tea. But in this match right here, a lot of psychology, and this was probably the best Disco Inferno match I, I believe I've ever seen, unless I'm missing something. So, And a lot of it had to do with none other than Dean Malenko, who Dean Malenko was very vastly underrated uh, in WCW. Um, and, you know, I had to go back and really think about this. And, and so, you know, I had to remember, well, Dean Malenko wasn't a four horseman yet because I was so used to, Dean Malenko being a four horseman, and he to me was the prototype of what you would want to have as a four horseman. Exactly, and ironically enough, before the match even started, Disco called for the mic, and I'm like, "Oh God, we have to listen to him talk." It was a combination. Disco Inferno is like a combination of uh, Kermit the Frog and Ray Morano. I just can't stand either one of them. But, um, anyways, you know, Disco. For me, this is a question for you, Michael. Disco called Dean Malenko Mr. Personality, obviously being a knock on his lack of ability as on the microphone. But would you rather have no personality or be Disco Inferno? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, I'd very much like to be Dean Malenko. And I, you know, it's odd. People say he doesn't have personality, but that's kind of not true because if he didn't have personality, we wouldn't remember him and remember that he had that dry intensity. That's personality. Um, right. He may not have been Mr. Over the top, overly gimmicky. You know, he's not Chris Jericho. No one can dispute that. Um, but at the end of the day, Dean Malenko was very serious. Uh, and he had many holds. Uh, he was a man of a thousand holds. Matter of fact, that was his gimmick. And, um, you know, Dean Malenko was a wrestler's wrestler. I'm using those terms an awful lot today, so I apologize. But as always, you're welcome. You know, and, you know, I've always wanted to, and maybe we will in future episodes, but I've always wanted to have a tag team 
called Mr. Personalities with Lance Storm and Dean Malenko. Uh, well, yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, I would say, so, you know, I don't know. I think you're lumping those two together, but I don't know that that's from my perspective fair because yeah. now Lance Storm, that's a guy who I, you could say – Kind of lacked personality, and yes, if we can be serious for a moment, I get all that. And he's, a, but Dean Malenko, if you really watch him and the way he presented himself, you could see what. So if we're comparing Lance Storm, Lance Storm, it wasn't. I don't feel it was as intentional as it came across. With Dean Malenko, it definitely was. The intensity came across. Um, you know, so I would, I would say, I would just, you know, very, you know, politely say. Uh, that Dean Malenko greater than Lance Storm, in my opinion. Oh, no, and, you know, and I think that's going to be a discussion slash argument that, you know, a lot of, a lot of wrestling fans or just me and you in general will have to the end of time because you can't go wrong with either one of them. Uh, but one thing we can agree on was this next match was – uh, you know, a popcorn fart on the card, which featured Steve McMichael defeating Joe Gomez in six minutes and 44 seconds. There's not really much you can say about this match other than they wrestled in a ring. No, I mean, you know, I don't think that Joe Gomez was without talent, um, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, is this selling tickets? No. Um, you know, Steve McMichael kind of being in the Four Horsemen. Now, this is coming from a Bears fan. Love Steve Mongo McMichael. I told my story last week uh, regarding, you know, him meeting my son when he was a child. But at the same time, you know, Steve Malink, or sorry, Steve Malinko, geez. Steve <laughs> McMichael, uh, Mongo, Mongo McMichael, as he's affectionately known here in Chicago, um, you know, he, to me, isn't somebody who really should have been in the Four Horsemen. Uh, and we'll get to that when I rebook the card. But um, I thought this match was as good as it could be, um, mm -hmm. considering. But, yeah, nothing to write home about. Right, right. But you know me better than anybody, especially in wrestling. The next match was a U.S. championship match featuring your champion, Conan, Taking on, at this time, the 13-time World Heavyweight Champion, Rick, the Nature Boy Flair. Woo! Woo! And Rick Flair going over Conan to win the uh, WCW U.S. Championship in 15 minutes and 39 seconds. You can't say much about this match that hasn't been said in the past between these two competitors. Uh, Conan being the younger talent that he was, Ric Flair being Ric Flair, you can't go wrong either way. So this is the opportunity that the Golden Voice is going to use to ask you a question, RJ. Yes, so sir. do you, in your opinion, knowing what you know and things that you've heard, obviously, on various shows that we both listen to, do you believe that the U.S. title being given to Ric Flair here was kind of a consolation given the fact that basically, pal, you and the Four Horsemen are going to lose a lot of heat because the NWO is going to come in here and kind of be the main people? Because let, let's be honest, in WCW, Heel Stable started and ended with 
four horsemen in WCW for decades. Um, so, you know, because for me, if I look at this and I say, and it, it, again, you know, they did bring it up during the broadcast, you knew that Ric Flair was a 13-time world heavyweight champion. So why do you, what would your opinion be, and why do you think they would put the U.S. title on Ric Flair, which is obviously more of a worker's, which Ric Flair, great worker, there's no denying that at all. Right. But not necessarily a world champion, it's more of a mid-card title. So from your perspective, why do you think WCW decided to do that? I really thought when I watched this that they gave him the U.S. title just to keep make him happy. To be honest with you, to make to you know to beat around the bush, I'm not gonna you know I won't do that. I'll tell you how it is. I think they really gave this gave him the U.S. title to keep him quiet, to keep him happy, because he knew that the the faction that was going to make everybody money was the NWO at this time. Did I like it? No. I've always been a Four Horsemen fan. You know that. Everybody listening to this knows it. Not to knock the NWO. I'm not saying that. But at this time, we have to do what's best for business. And what's best for business at this time was the NWO. You know, the, the Four Horsemen, you know, will you know still be the Four Horsemen. Whether it be Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, Chris Benoit, whatever the faction may be, it'll always still be there. But at this time, to make Ric Flair happy, I really thought that they gave him the title to do that. Did I like it? No. Because Ric Flair, in my eyes, when I think Ric Flair, I think the big gold belt. Shout out to J.C. Flair. <laughs> but... You know, Ric Flair is a heavyweight champion. Not to diminish the U.S. title, but Ric Flair is a heavyweight champion. He's the best wrestler of all time, bar none. Yeah, absolutely. But it, 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 but it just it just baffles me that they had to go to this extent to you know to make him happy. Where, okay, well, we knew what was going to happen, obviously looking back at it now, but, you know, it was what it was. Uh, so, the next match, before we get to the main event, featured the Giant and the Taskmaster defeating Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit, which was two members of the uh, Four Horsemen, and... You know, the Giant could basically take the Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit on by himself and still beat him. Um, did I like that, you know, Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson lost? No, because they're the Four Horsemen. But, you know, it was what it was. You know, we saw Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit be defeated. You know, we move on. This wasn't what it was, obviously, later on. As we know, Art Anderson's kind of winding down kind of a little bit into the, uh, you know, you know, we, we saw later on that he had neck, neck issues. This was that time we saw that turning point where they're trying to put over the giant. I get it, but I still wanted to see Art Anderson and Chris Benoit win without a shadow, with, without question. Without question, yeah. No, I, 
I could see that. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, you know, so maybe the whole Ric Flair winning the U.S. title thing might have been to appease those Four Horsemen fan, fans, given the fact that, you know, we're going to put over the Giant and the Taskmaster, which, to be fair, at this point, this is before the turn of Hogan and all this, so nobody knew that yet. Um, and basically, you had the situation where the Giant was still the champion um, of the world. Um, and of course, as we all know, uh, and, and not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but you know, you had the Giant defend his title at Road Wild against uh, said Hollywood Hogan. This is what I'm going to address in, in at least in my uh, revising of this card is that really it didn't make much sense if you think about it. You had a heel, a new heel faction. Uh, going up against, uh, you know, what what is the and this is kind of so the joke is said nowadays, right? RJ, correct me if I'm wrong. That, um, you know, Big Show gets turned face and heel, face and heel. Well, it wasn't just WWE's always done that. That happened a lot in WCW. And if you think about it, it may have done more harm than good at that time. Yeah, a lot of people don't, you know, they don't look back on these events as far as. Um, comparing WCW and WWE, the current product, and saying that, well, it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna, you know, live up to the anticipation. It's not gonna live up to going back and watching it. But if you look at this card and you look at anything currently, it's pretty much similar. You know what I mean? Because you can't go back and say, oh, that was crap. You know, but. You know, you can look at the current stuff and say, eh, it's pretty much the same stuff, you know. But it is what it was. But we had our main event of the evening, and, you know, it needs no introduction. You know, we saw the Outsiders taking on Randy Savage, Lex Luger, and Sting with a quote-unquote uh, mystery opponent, which then turned into Hulk Hogan which then turned into Hogan turning heel, which then turned into the NWO being formed. Um, too sweet. And ironically enough, I will say this much, I actually have taught my six-year-old son, Gavin, to do the too sweet. I say, Gavin, too sweet me, and he does it. I'm like, that pops me every time. Yeah, I have a similar story. So back in, uh, I believe it was May of uh, this past year, well, last year, sorry, in 2018, um, uh, we went to an, a Ring of Honor event, and my son had his Young Bucks shirt on. He got two-sweeted by the Young Bucks, which was awesome. Um, and, you know, everyone was kind of two-sweet him around, so he kind of got his two-sweet moments as well, and he understands the two-sweet me when you meet me. Uh, deal so that's it's awesome to kind of you know see our kids you know grow up and be able to to really you know cherish some of the same moments that we were able to right and and, and the funny part about it is though i go hey gab you know what the too sweet means he's like oh daddy it's a wolf it's like a signature for the wolf i said holy god that actually is true (laughs) i'm like where'd you learn that oh i saw it on youtube oh okay that makes sense you see everything on youtube nowadays (laughs) <laughs> yep, it's definitely the the kids today have it very good. They have a lot of access to a lot of information. Just have to be careful with you know what they're able to watch. But yeah, and but you know it's also a very good thing. 
Right. You know, and for the most part, this, you know, this Bash at the Beach 96, you know, looking back at it now, I thought, you know, it was, like I said before, it was that turning point in the world of professional wrestling. You know, we saw the WCW making that turn. After this, we saw the WWF make that turn of doing away with those gimmicky matches, those gimmicky characters. And we saw the, you know, for, you know, we saw the birth, for better use of the term, of the Attitude Era, uh, the Monday Night Wars, because we saw the formation of the NWO. We had the DX soon would come. We saw Austin soon would come. The Rock. So... So go back and look at this. This was a great time to be a wrestling fan. And another way we can be a great wrestling fan is by looking at this card and doing it our way. No, absolutely, RJ. And you know what? As we get ready to rebook the finish here, let me tell you a way about you can rebook your finish with our sponsor, Blue Chew. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made right in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all of our listeners here at Revisionist Booking Podcast. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code WPP. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code WPP to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for supporting the network. And as always, you're welcome. do what everybody's actually tuned in to listen to and that is our rebooking of Bash at the Beach 1996 you know I had a lot of fun doing this Michael I don't know about you but you know I'll let you go first I went first last week you can go first this week alright well the first match that I have is basically the first match that we had in this pay-per-view Ray Mysterio Jr. versus Psychosis, and I would not change a damn thing about the match, and we're going to go ahead and go with Ray Mysterio being victorious over Psychosis. Well, you know, like they say a lot of the times, great minds think alike, but not so fast, my friend. I will have a lot of the same players as you just had but i will have the cruiserweight championship on the line featuring dean malenko your champion taking on psychosis taking on ray mysterio however we're gonna see 
the man of a thousand holds, come in as champion and leave as champion. Yeah, I know. You're shocked as I am. But Dean Malenko, one of the most, if not the most, underrated wrestlers. Yes, people. I said wrestlers of all time. Leave as your cruiserweight champion. Well, there you go. So moving on to my second match. So we kind of spoke about how you had uh, a couple of matches for that main event that we felt like should have made the main card. Well, that starts here. We're going to see Harlem Heat defend the World Tag Team Championships against the Steiner Brothers. So knowing what we know, we know that we have the Outsiders, right, that are going to be coming in and they're going to be challenging uh, for these said tag champs. We want to make sure we have a what face, I said it, a face tag team to have those titles for them to go after so instead of just having this where well you know everybody on wcw is a face i don't think that that booking really helped wcw it may have helped nwo but i think you still needed to maintain the heels and the faces on that side so that being said we're going to see the steiner brothers be victorious here and win the tag team championships away from the harlem heat well, you can't go wrong with that, my friend, but yet I tend to somewhat disagree, surprisingly enough. Um, you know, you mentioned a lot of the uh, main event card we really should have had on the main card. My next match isn't going to be exactly what you said, but it's going to be a card or a match from the main, main event card. It's going to feature Eddie Guerrero taking on Lord Steven Regal. The one thing that WCW at this time was known for was their wrestling. And these two gentlemen were known for their wrestling. But we're going to see Steven Regal being the consummate professional that he was and is and put over Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero going over Lord Steven Regal in this match. My next match on this card, your victor, Eddie Guerrero. Well, there you go. As you say, great minds think alike. Well, the golden one, his next match, is going to have Eddie Guerrero. And Eddie Guerrero is going to challenge none other than Dean Malenko uh, for the Cruiserweight Championship. And Eddie Guerrero is going to get the victory on Dean Malenko. However, however, it's going to be by disqualification as we're going to see William, or sorry, Stephen Regal interfere in this match. Uh, and basically, he's going to attack Dean Malenko, or I'm sorry, uh, Eddie Guerrero. So Eddie's going to win via DQ, but Dean Malenko will retain his title and this way, we will break off into a feud between Eddie Guerrero and Steven Regal. Very nice. Nice little twist that you have there with it. Yep. Now, I'm going to go along the same lines as we mentioned before about the main, or the, the, uh, main event card going to our, uh, our, the main card here. is It's going to be the Tag Team Championships of the world, your champions, Harlem Heat, taking on 
one of the best tag teams of all time, the Rock and Roll Express. Yes, I know. Everybody's shocked right now. I can, I, I can hear that gasp, you know, coming <sighs> across the world. <gasps> the Rock and Roll Express and the Harlem Heat, that's like a match we should have seen. Well, right here on the Revisionist Booking, you're going to see that match. But we're going to see the Harlem Heat go over on the Rock and Roll Express. The Rock and Roll Express is going to get the Harlem Heat over because you know what, Michael? That is what is best for business. D.B. Ray and Booker T, you're still WCW Tag Team Champions. Well, it looks like Bruce Pritchard isn't the only one in need of chapstick. All right, so moving on, my next match is we're going to see none other than John Tetna go up against, bang, Mr. D.D.P. Um, again, I kind of spoke to this last week uh, on last week's episode. You have John Tetna, who everybody knows he's Earthquake. You can't call him Earthquake, but everybody knows he's that guy. Take the opportunity to have a former WWF person put over your current rising WCW star in DDP. DDP is going to be able to overcome John Tetna's size, um, and he's going to be able to lay him out with the diamond cutter, get the one, the two, the three, bada bing, bada boom, DDP yoga in the house, DDP is your victor over John Tetna. Maybe we can get DDPY as a sponsor for the uh, for the network. Who knows? Um, but along those same lines, I had DDP in my next match. You know, we said before we're going to continue to say great minds think alike. That's why we're partners. That's why we're on the same show. But I'm going to eat my words right now. I'm going to have DDP taking on Disco Inferno. However, I'm going to have Disco Inferno go over DDP. But wait, it's going to be a precursor to the rest of my card. So you will know why I'm going to have Disco Inferno go over Mr. WCW, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, DDP. And yes, Get the chapstick ready, my friend. Uh, you know, the Golden Voice is at a loss for words for that one. I, You know, it pained, it pained me to do this, but when you see my main event, you will know why I did it. So, continue, my friend. I'll never know why you would put Disco Inferno over, but to each his own. <laughs> Moving on to my next match. Uh, we're going to see, so this is going to be the situation. Uh, Conan was the U.S. champ going into this pay-per-view. Not going to be so with regards to my card. Um, on a uh, edition of Nitro, you're going to see Ho! none other than Jim Duggan be able to capture said U.S. championship from Conan. Take it, you know, and this was back when, you know, and I have to be careful how I tread here, um, but, you know, Conan's from Mexico. He's Mexican. Obviously, Jim Duggan's from the United, good old USA. We're going to kind of play that game there, get the strap onto Duggan. So basically what's going to happen is after Duggan wins, you're going to get 
Woo! Ric Flair to come out and cut a, uh, a scathing promo on Jim Duggan uh, on the very same Nitro and say Jim Duggan is not worthy of being a champion of the United States of any country. And this is going to set up a match between Ric Flair and Jim Duggan for the U.S. title. Um, and, you know, you're going to see, uh, you know, Ric Flair and Jim Duggan kind of go at it here. Um, and you're going to see the newest member of the Four Horsemen. Remember, it's not Mongo McMichael. It is Macho Man Randy Savage. He's going to come out, run some interference game, distract Mr. Jim Duggan, and Ric Flair is going to become your new WCW United States Champion. is going to feature two members of the Four Horsemen, Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit, taking on the Steiner Brothers. This is a match that everybody wants to see. You got the Steiner Brothers, one of the best tag teams of all time. You have Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit, two of the best technical wrestlers of all time. What's going to happen when they go head-to-head? I will tell you what's going to happen. Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit are more superior than the Steiner brothers. Going over in this match, Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit, and yet they have no gold around their waist. Wait until future episodes of the Revisionist Booking see what happens with that. Awesome. The anticipation is building, ladies and gentlemen. So now, my next match... We're going to see, ooh, yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage. Remember, he's been reinstated now. He is going to take on Steve Mongo McMichael, who's going to have a legitimate beef. In Macho Man's corner, you're going to have Arn Anderson. In Steve Mongo McMichael's corner, you're going to have that Joe Gomez character, as it were. Uh, and you're going to see, again, you know, uh, back and forth here, Steve McMichael's going to catch Randy Savage a couple of times, exact a little bit of revenge. However... With the help of the enforcer, Arn Anderson, your winner in this match, ooh yeah, the macho man Randy Savage is going to go ahead and get a victory over Steve Mongo McMichael here. Well, just like that, that you know, one half of that match is pretty much filler. My next match is going to be just that, and it's going to be filler before we get to our semi-main event and our main event. We're going to feature the Giant taking on not one, but two men, Big Bubba Rogers and John Tetnam. You know, at this time, we want to get over the Giant as that, you know, that force that cannot be beaten. That young talent in WCW. What better way to get him over than two WWF former wrestlers being the big boss man and Earthquake. Your winner in this triple threat match, The Giant. And no, I will not pick up two. This match is going to be the match that everybody thought wouldn't happen, but it is going to happen. Bing 
bang, boom, the bell tolls for thee. Well, if we were playing the game of Uno, you didn't call Uno, and that was this, that was your last match before your last match, so you would pick up four cards. Yahtzee. No, but moving That's forward, game, we're going to go with my second-to-last match here, and that is going to be, remember, there was a lot of heat behind this match, and I thought this should definitely continue on. We're going to see the Taskmaster Master, facing off against Chris Benoit. Uh, and this is going to be one of those slobber knocker matches, some of the legendary matches that we've seen between these two. But you will see ultimately Chris Benoit uh, be able to be victorious. The Taskmaster, um, there's going to be tease tension between he and the Giant because the Giant, well, I'll get into my next match. Anybody who listened to last week's uh, podcast knows where I'm going with this, but I'll kind of leave it there and get full circle when I get to my final match. Circle. Not, 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 not corners, but a circle. Yeah. Square, anyway, squared circle, sir. Squared circle, yeah, exactly. So my next match is going to be for the U.S. Championship. I'm not going to change anything. You know, all our listeners know, I am a huge Ric Flair mark. I'll always be a Ric Flair mark no matter what. There's no... I'm not going to beat around the bush. Ric Flair is going to be the new U.S. champion. There's no, I, 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 there's no way. Everybody knows what Ric Flair is. Everybody knows what Conan is. Ric Flair is going to go over. Bingo, bango, bongo. Ric Flair is your U.S. champion. Well, there you go. Well, on to the main event. We all know uh, what transpired here. Uh, we're not going to change what transpires here except for one key factor. So, I spoke on it last week. Coming full circle, the Giant is going to be teaming with Lex Luger and Sting, not Macho Man. We're going to put Macho Man with the Four Horsemen. Um, some other ideas I would have going down the line is you'd have still have that Four Horsemen NWO face-off, but you would keep them away from each other, right? Um, but here, the Giant is going to essentially turn face. Um, you're going to see the Taskmaster approach him in the back before this match and say, you're really going to you know, side with those two scumbags over me, and the Giant's just going to lay waste to the Taskmaster. We're going to see the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, be teased. Is he the third man? Is he the third man? Because it's as heck isn't going to be Mabel, as we've heard on 83 Weeks many times. So that being said, you're going to see Sting, Lex Luger, and the Giant uh, teaming getting forces after the Giant has, of course, laid waste to uh, Kevin Sullivan. Is Kevin Sullivan the third man? Obviously, he's not. It's going to be brother Hulk Hogan is going to come out. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. We're going to get the formation of the Outsiders. But remember, at Road Wild, the, the pay-per-view following this, you know, you had the Giant defending his title against Hogan. It was kind of hard to follow if you really think about it because the Giant was a heel, Hogan was now a heel. Here we have the Giant as a face, now Hogan's a heel. We put more stock into that match going into Road Wild. So that's what I have for you. No contest, smudge finish, garbage fills the ring. Only thing that changes is Hogan lays the big boot to the Giant. You know... That's a very interesting way of looking at it. But, unfortunately, you are the Golden Voice, but 
I am the man with the magical voice, and I am going to have to say, so good, but yet so far away. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, I know. We're going to have the Outsiders. We're going to have Hogan. But it's going to be announced that Hogan is going to be that third member taking on Sting, Savage, and Luger. But what they don't announce is Mr. WCW himself, Mr. Yoga, DDP, bang, coming out to the aid of the Outsiders and Hogan making sure that the whole NWO, the Outsiders, actually happens. Turning his back on his, or excuse me, his WCW brethren. Everybody thinks, okay, is it Mabel? No. Is it Sting? No. It's going to be D-D-P. Bang. Plain, simple, you don't have to like it, but you gotta get used to it. So are you saying you're going to have Hogan, the Outsiders, and DDP? So DDP's the fourth man? Not quite. Not quite, my friend. We're going to have the Outsiders and Hogan as the NWO, yes. But we're going to have DDP be that kind of man. Is he going to be the NWO? Is he not? Is he... Is he anti-Sting, Savage, Luka? We don't know yet. But We're did, gonna see. didn't you have that with Hogan, though? I mean, to be fair, I mean, so but you're basically gonna, you're going to take away the what, Hogan kind of coming out and turning at that point. Right, right. What we're going to have, we're going to announce. We're going to announce that it's going to be Hogan and the Outsiders. We're not going to stand that. So you're going to, you're just going to, you're going to announce it being Hogan. Because nobody knew that Hogan wasn't that like that was a that was the big thing, right? Right. We're gonna have that suspense. We're not gonna have the whole formation of you know, we're not gonna have the whole formation of the NWO at that time. We're gonna have, okay, well Hogan's, you know, this whole anti thing. We're gonna have him align with his WWF brethren. You know, we're going to have him align with his, you know, we're going to think we're going to have that WWF come over, that invasion, have you. Mm. But we're not going to have that happen. We're not going to have, you know, the NWO just yet. That's still in the back of the mind of, of all the people backstage. You know, the fans aren't going to know that. Mm. You know what I mean? We're not going to say, hey, this is going to happen. We're going to have Hogan team with him, but... Everybody's still going to think, well, is this WWF taking over? Or is this just, you know, these guys trying to make bigger bigger names for themselves? You know what I mean? Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, very fun, very good pay-per-view. I thought, you know, thoroughly enjoyed rebooking it. Um, very good stuff. Uh, you guys have feedback for us. We're at Revisionist Book on Twitter. Um, RJ, your Twitter handle? I am at Krasinski RJ, but like I like I've said before, if you head over and follow us on Twitter, like you mentioned, at Revisionist Book, you can find both of our handles there. There you go. I'm at Michael Berry Senior. Uh, very good week, uh, RJ. You got anything else? 
I like to just to mention that if you head over to uh, at uh, whatforapparel.com forward slash revisionist book, you can check out all our latest uh, apparel that we have, t-shirts, sweatshirts. Go head over there, support the revisionist booking, uh, support uh, you know everything that we got going. Uh, you know we're really looking to make a big splash in the uh, uh, wrestling podcasting community, the whole world that is wrestling uh, podcasting. Head over there, join the revolution. Um, and as always, you know, just make sure that you go over and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, you know, uh, all all that great uh, all the great stuff we got going on. Absolutely. Well, it's been fun. It's been fantastic. As always, everybody, you're welcome. Welcome to 2019. We're very excited to be part of the Wrestling Perspective Network. As always, you're welcome. And RJ, let the revisionist revolution begin. <laughs>